Well, we're so glad that you joined with us today at Homestead. Um, We are continuing a series called The Body. Uh, We started about three weeks ago where we are talking about the body of Christ. We are talking about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, how each one of us has a part to play. The very first week, we had all of the kids in here for a family service, and we talked about how every single one of us has a part to play in the body of Christ. And no one gets to say, my part's not important. I don't need to, to do my part. Every single part is important. And then we began looking at Ephesians chapter 4 to give us kind of a framework as to what those different parts of the body might be. Because when we say, well, you have a part to play in the body of Christ, well, I think then sometimes you feel like, well, I, don't, I have nowhere to even begin to know where I fit. Am I a hand? Am I an ear? Am I a foot? Am I a big toe? Where do I fit? And so we are looking at Ephesians chapter 4 and looking at what the Apostle Paul talks about the gifts that are given to the church. And we're calling them systems. They are systems that are incorporated in the body of the church that start to work just like you have a skeletal system and a muscular system in your body. We have some different systems in the body of Christ that each one of us can participate in, and that can maybe help give you some framework as we as we dive into that. So let's look again at that just for an overview. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12 says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work to build up the church, the body of the Christ. So we're looking at these five things, apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors, and looking at each one of those things as a part of the systems of the body that each one of us can start to plug ourselves into, that when they all are working together and they're all healthy and they're all functioning properly, it makes the body work. And later on in Ephesians, it says that these things all working together make the body healthy and make the body grow. And so I know looking at those words, some of them kind of can look a little scary. And last week we talked about the word apostle, which a lot of people probably thought that's that's a, a word that we don't use every day, but we talked about basically an apostle is someone who initiates new works to bring people to Jesus. And we talked about how some of you, all of us are called to do the next thing that God has asked us to do, to do a new thing. We talked about the apostle Paul then was an apostle who would go into new places and he would start new things. He would say they need a church there. So he would travel to another part of the world and he would find people in that community. He would start a church. He would find leaders. He would get financing and he would begin a new work. And then he would stay there and train leaders up and disciple them until that work was growing and flourishing, and then he would move on to the next thing. And we talked about how part of what will make our church healthy is if we have people who are willing to start new things, who can see the holes, who can see where new ministries need to begin. And so some of you last week came up right away and said, I didn't have a lot of people say, I really have the gift of apostle. Usually it was the spouse going, oh, yes. They are always wanting to start something new, have a new idea. They want to rearrange the furniture. I think I found my spouse's gift. They might have an apostolic gift. And so we talked about how that has to be functioning. We want people who are thinking of new things, especially in a new congregation. We're going to constantly be needing new ideas. So last week was about the apostles. So this week we're going to shake it up a little bit, and we are going to talk about the gift of a teacher. 
And I love that we're going to talk about that today because it is Mother's Day. And when we think about the people in our lives who have taught us more than anyone else, I think all of us can think about our mothers and how they taught us so many things, how their influence in our lives is something that we don't even recognize um, how deeply that influence goes. I was thinking about um, my grandmother, who uh, Jeff talked a lot about the boys doing um, their tell me what you know. I've been doing the same thing with the girls. And one week we were all in the kitchen and the girls and I made donuts that night. And we were talking, I was teaching them how to bake and I was telling them how my grandmother taught me how to bake. How she would always pull up a big stool in the kitchen and it was one of those flip ones that had the two stairs on the bottom. And I would, she would always pull it up to the counter and she would talk to me as she was making things. And, and that's something that she taught me. And I was telling the girls that and I was even thinking about for my wedding, my grandma Pennington, who Grandpa Duane is here. Um, my grandma Pennington hand wrote out all of her recipes, um, just the family favorites, and grandpa made a little box and put them in. It's probably one of my most treasured possessions. But what I love about it is she hand wrote all those recipes, but she also took the time to put little things in all the recipes. So for instance, if I'm making her crescent roll recipe, I read through and it'll say, take the flour, put it in the mixer, and then it'll say, while it's mixing, go upstairs and make your bed. And <laughs> And so every time I've made them, the last 20 years I've been married, I start, go make my bed. And I go up and I obey my grandmother. And she put little things like that all through them. It's one of my favorite things when I'm reading because she took the time to even teach me a little something in the midst of that. And I love that about her. And then I was thinking about my mom, and I'm so grateful to have my mom here, and my parents are a part of this church, and my mom taught me so many things, I don't even know where to begin, but I was thinking about one thing in particular my mom taught me, and my mom is an incredibly gracious woman, I know that many of you that know her know that, and I was thinking about when we first moved to Minnesota, my mom is a very accomplished piano player, and she had played for choirs and was always very talented. And when we started going to a church in Minnesota, there was already someone who was playing for the choir. And I remember my mom had started playing and this other woman was got her feathers ruffled a little bit because there was somebody new and she was feeling a little nervous. And I don't know all the details because another great thing my mom did was she never like let me in on all of her adult mess. But I knew enough that there was a little bit of tension going on. And I remember that it, it was bothering her and I remember that it was something that was a little difficult. And I will never forget one year at Christmas, I watched my mom walk into church with a gift. And I was thinking, well, who is that for? And she said the name of this woman. And I remember thinking, well, that's interesting. And I watched her walk over and hand this woman a gift and say, I just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas, and here is a gift for you. And then she turned around and walked away, and I remember this woman's face was like, bah, because she had not been very kind, and she had been difficult. And I remember my mom just saying, you know what? I'm going to respond graciously. I'm going to reach out to her in that way. And I remember in the back of my mind, that's how you handle something. When, you have, when someone has a problem with you, you don't have to respond in kind. And so that's something I took away from my mom. So if you see me coming with a gift better watch out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's something that I learned from my mother. And so, but all of us are teachers. All of us have teaching. And I think it's beautiful today for us to remember our mothers and to remember the things that they taught us. And we want to honor um, all of our mothers today, but not only just the mothers. We want to honor all of the women of Homestead Church because some of you aren't mothers yet. And yet I know that you teach. You teach your auntie. You're an auntie to someone or you have students that you're teaching to. 
And we want to honor you today. So we have a gift at the back of the table for you to take as you're leaving. Any women who are over 18, we invite you to take. There's a little caribou gift card so that you can treat yourself this week for all that you do to invest in the lives of people and to teach them. And, you know, as I was thinking about Mother's Day, one of the things we talk about the body of Christ and how all of us work together. One of the things I love about the body of Christ is for some of you today who don't have your real mom with you, the body of Christ, we get to step in and we get to love on you and you will always have someone who is looking out for you in the body of Christ. There are so many women who would love to come alongside you and put their arm around you and fill that void. And so it's a beautiful thing to be a part of the body of Christ. Our mothers are important teachers, but they aren't the only amazing teachers who have invested in my life. There are piano teachers and youth group leaders and professors. So two of my professors are here today and I'm so happy to sit. My conducting professor. I will not conduct, so that you don't see that today. Um, mentors, friends. I have friends that are older than me that have invested in my life. And you know what? I have just as many friends that are younger than me that have taught me things and that continually teach me things. And that is why when we're looking at all the systems that need to be functioning properly in the church, I love that the gift of teaching is listed in there because the gift of teaching somebody something that you know is something that makes the body of Christ a really beautiful thing. I mean, if we think about really why the church exists, why you even came this morning, hopefully it was to learn something. It was to be challenged in some way. It was to walk away here learning something that maybe you didn't know or to, for something to shed some light on your life or to, to grow. And that's a big function of why the body of Christ exists. This is the place we come to learn about God. It's the place you bring your children so that they are learning about God. It's where we learn about the Bible, what it says, and the things that are important to the heart of God. We learn how to love people, how to serve in their lives, and how to serve in our community. And it's where we find wisdom and support from other people who have already gone ahead and walked on the road that we are just starting on. And I love that it says teachers, not preachers. Because I think a lot of people think, well, a teaching gift means that you do this thing right here. You stand in front of a group of people and you teach. You teach or preach. Well, that is not always the case. A lot of times, the things that have impacted my life that someone has taught me has been in one-on-one. -on -one. It's been in a very small environment. It's been somewhere where someone has said something and they've taught me something that I hadn't thought before. Pre preaching is important. We hope that you are taking something away from our messages. We hope that you are growing. But there are so many ways that the gift of teaching needs to be functioning in our church and in our body and in our lives if we want to be healthy. The gift of teaching is being used when you spend time at Bible study and you're sitting in a circle and everybody's sharing what they have learned from the scriptures. The gift of teaching is being used when you hear someone share an insight from their life on something totally that seems like an unspiritual thing, but they give you a little nugget of wisdom. Maybe it's just standing in the lobby having a donut before church and somebody says something that illuminates your situation or a problem in a way that you hadn't thought about before. That's the gift of teaching in action. The gift of teaching is being used when a couple who's been married for 20 years spends time with a couple who's been married for 10 years and helps them see how their journey has played out and gives them some wisdom and a lot of times just puts their arm around and says, it's going to be okay. We went through that too and we made it. That is where the gift of teaching is functioning in the body. Now the definition of a teacher is someone who gives information 
someone who causes someone to learn or understand something by example or by experience. It's to impart knowledge that you have into someone else. It's a person who provides instruction and education. So why is this such an important system in the church? Why does Paul take the time to say we need people who will be teachers? Because we're not supposed to get stuck in our lives. Have you ever met a Christian who seems like they have been at the stage, same stage of crabbiness from the day you met them, and then 30 years later, you think they have not changed one bit. They are still so foul and ugly and not kind, and you think they're stuck. That's not supposed to happen in, the, in any one of us. We're supposed to be continually growing and evolving and allowing God to change us from the inside out. That is the whole purpose of this thing, is that we are not the same. We're supposed to be growing, and we don't grow unless we are instructed in how we can grow, unless we're pushed to try to think of something different. And so we have to, healthy churches need to see people moving from immaturity to maturity. So if you've gone to a church and it seems like it is filled with really mature believers, people who have come at this place and they seem to be making forward progress, that is a church that has the gift of teaching functioning healthy. And in the same way, if you've ever been a part of a church where it seems like immaturity, people are still stumbling over the same thing over and over and over again, I would challenge you to say that perhaps the gift of teaching is not functioning properly in that body. We're not supposed to get stuck. And it doesn't mean that it has to happen immediately, but we all should be making forward progress. Hebrews 5 tells us this. You have been believers so long now, you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature and who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. One of the main functions of the church is to help people grow, and people don't grow without someone teaching them. So we need to be teaching you, um, each other, how to study the Word of God, how to grow in our understanding, how to be consistent in our devotional life, how to pray, how to seek God for something, how, how people of faith respond and act in certain situations. We need to be help learning how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit to guide us in our lives, how to be attentive, how do we know that God's speaking to us? How do we then obey? These are all things that through instruction we gain more wisdom in, and then we begin to function in maturity. So the system of teaching in the church needs to be strong and healthy so people are growing. I want to look at a book, the book of Titus today, and I want to look just a little bit at Titus chapter 2, because this is a letter that Paul wrote to a young man named Titus. Now, last week we talked about Paul going to different places to start churches, and Titus was one of the men that was along with Paul on all of these journeys. And this letter he wrote to Titus when they had started a church in Crete, which is in the Greek islands. And so he was this young man, and Paul had gone and helped get this church started, and then he left. And he left Titus in charge of the church. And he was saying, now you're there. He wrote back to him and said, here are some things that I want you to begin to teach them. These are the things that now that I'm gone, the church is established, these are some of the things that they need to start growing in. He was giving Titus instruction as to what the people needed to hear. So Titus chapter 2 says this. As for you, Titus, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. 
Teach the older men to exercise self-control and to be worthy of respect and live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands, and then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men to live wisely, and you, yourself, must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Slaves must always obey their masters and do the best to please them. They must not talk back or steal. They must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive in every way. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward to the hope that the wonderful day when the glory of our God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. And then he wraps it up by saying, you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. It's probably one of my favorite chapters of all of scripture because I love that Paul is saying to Titus, he's teaching Titus what to teach. The people. And in that, even he says, teach the people to teach the people. So it's like teaching inception. He's saying, like, hey, Titus, now that I'm gone, here's the stuff that I saw that they are needing to learn. And he addresses every group of people. Teach the older men this. Teach the younger men this. Teach the older women this. Teach the young women this. He gives a very, and then he says, Titus, and you, here's what I'm saying to you, be an example. He addresses every group in the church and what type of instruction would be meaningful to them. I love that book of the Bible. I love that he instructs us how to teach other people. And Titus 2, to me, is a good reminder that, number one, all of us are called to be teachers. All of us are. There is someone in your life that you can speak words of influence in your life. Um, uh, Verse 15 says, again, you must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. As followers of Jesus, each and every one of us are called to teach others what we know. And all of us fit within the framework of what Paul just said, right? Older men, younger women, we all fit in there. And whether or not you consider yourself a teacher, there are things that you know that you can pass on to other people. You have experiences that you can share with other people. When our son Charlie was born, he was born 12 weeks early, and he was 2 pounds, 10 ounces, and I had never known anybody that had a premature baby before. And I remember the first thing I said to my husband is, you have to find me someone who's gone through this. I need to find, can you find me like a 
12-year-old preemie baby so that I can talk to somebody who has walked through this because I just had, I had no idea what I was walking into. And, you know, I began to find other women who had gone through that journey, and it was like a lifeline to me. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You've gone through a situation, and you thought, I need to find somebody who has walked through this. And someone has reached out to you and told you their experience and how they handled things, and that wisdom, it's it's unmeasurable what that means to us. And each one of you have something that you can teach other people. You have an experience you can share with others. Some of you have gone through an illness or a tough season, and someone out there right now is going through the same thing, and they are desperate for someone to come alongside of them and say, I can walk with you. I can teach you something about that. I've been through that. I know know the way out of that. All of us are called to be teachers. And if Homestead's going to be functioning properly, all of us need to be in relationship with one another. And if you know someone, older or younger, that is maybe going through something that you've gone through, I would encourage you to reach out to them. Say, let's go have a cup of coffee. Let's sit down. Let me tell you what I know about that situation. Some of you have wisdom you can share with others. And there are people that just need someone to come alongside of them. When we first started Homestead, there was a single mom that was attending our church, and she needed a new car. And she just was so nervous about the, the idea of going by herself to buy a new car. And so my dad said, I'll go with you. And so he went over with her and helped her look at it. And it meant so much to her that somebody with a little different experience was willing to say, I'll go with you. I'll teach you that. I'll show you how to do that. That's what we want happening for all of us to be a part of a community, to reach out to one another and to help each other grow, teaching each other what we know. Um, Miss Linnea, who's up with your kids today, sent me this quote yesterday. She didn't even know what I was speaking on. But Bob Goff said this, the people who taught me the most didn't think they were my teachers. They just thought they were my friends. Isn't that great? The people who taught me most, they didn't call themselves a teacher. They just stepped into my life, and they just started being a part, and they were my friends, and yet I learned so much from them, and I think that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So how do we do that? You know, I keep a verse on my wall, and in the morning, whenever I'm reading my Bible or I'm praying, I think about this verse, and it's Matthew 10, 27. It says, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What I whisper in your ear, proclaim proclaim from the rooftops. And so I always start my day saying, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? I'm listening. What is it that you're speaking to my heart? And maybe it's through a scripture. Maybe it's just a thought. And I try and write that down. And then I have this next thought. Lord, is there someone I can share that with today? Thank you for instructing me. Now, how can I pass that on to someone else? And I think if all of us take that mindset of, Lord, I'm listening. What you whisper, what you whisper in the dark, what you whisper right here in this quiet place, I will speak in the daylight. What you have whispered in my ear, I'm willing to say to the next person that you speak to me about. If we all did that, we would see the Holy Spirit begin to use us to help teach people in all kinds of situations. So that's just something that I personally do every day. So all of us are called to teach. But the second thing, some of you in this place are really actually have a special gifting to teach other people. Now, it's very interesting. Just because someone has the knowledge of something doesn't mean that they're a good teacher. So years and years I've watched people who are really, really good musicians try and teach someone else how to do their thing. And you're like, oh, 
boy, you made that sound really complicated. And watch people go like, I don't really understand that. So just because you have the knowledge of something doesn't mean you're a good teacher. But when you have a good teacher that has knowledge and they know how to break down the parts of something into little pieces, um, teachers know how to explain something in a way that you go, Oh, I get that. It might be something you've never been able to get your head around before, but as someone who has the gift of teaching is able to look at you and think, I bet I could explain this in a way that you would understand it. And teachers are constantly thinking, how can I break this down? How can I explain this to someone else? They'd like to pull things apart and figure out how to put it back together and how to explain each one of the parts. They're creative. They understand their students' point of view, and they're always looking for new ways. When you have the gift of teaching, you love to see people learn things. When you see the light bulb come on in somebody, like they are getting it, nothing makes you happier if you have the gift of teaching. You love to learn. If you are a teacher, you have to be constantly studying. You have to be reading up on things. When, when you hear about something, you think, hmm, I'm going to go home and Google that. I want to find out more about that. What is that? I want to learn more about that. Te people who have the gift of teaching, they are constantly digging deeper into things. They want to find more information. And teachers are good communicators. Some with verbal communication, they're really good at explaining things. Some are with written communication. Some of you are great writers. And you would say, I'm really shy. I would never consider myself a teacher. And yet, if you sit down and start typing out words, all of a sudden, something flows out of you. So you're a good communicator, even if it's not a verbal communication. You love to help people understand things. And we need the gift of teaching functioning strongly at Homestead. We need people who are willing to teach Bible studies. We need couples who are willing to mentor other couples. Maybe you love spending time with other people and hearing what's going on in their lives and thinking, how could I help them? Maybe you're always in the bookstore thinking, I'm going to get you that book. I'm going to get that person that book. And you're like the information sorter. You might have the gift of teaching because you're thinking, how could I help explain this to somebody in a way that they would understand it? We need mentors. We need people who are willing to come alongside of other people and walk them through things. We need people who can start small groups. We need people who can research and write curriculum, who can be looking for the next Bible study for our kids and for our women and for um, our young people. We need people who can set up systems and organize processes. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Do we need people who can set up systems and organized processes and train volunteers? We need people who are willing to teach other people how to do things. We need that functioning properly. And I'm going to take a few extra minutes today, and I want to talk to you about we need people who are willing to help teach our children. It's a big part of Homestead. When we look at the size of our church, there are as many kids in our kids' areas today as there are adults in here. So in the last few weeks, there's 30 elementary kids. There's about 10 preschoolers. I mean, we have kids everywhere around these place, this place. I know you all brought them, so you know that they're all here. Our, one of our number one priorities at Homestead is to teach your kids about God. I mean, it's probably like... Number two, we want you to grow and we want them to grow. And you know, back in the day, there were, it feels like everybody was a Sunday school teacher, right? Like everybody taught Sunday school. All my grandmas, my grandma, well, yes, everybody kind of taught Sunday school. It was just kind of something that everybody did. And yet, it's always a little different now. We have kids' church, we don't have Sunday school. So sometimes you think, well, I don't know where I could step in and teach. 
But you know what? We have such a huge need for people to teach our kids. And I know that some of you are like, I'm not so great with kids. That's okay. That's okay. You can come alongside somebody else. Maybe you don't like to teach kids, but you could help wrangle kids. <laughs> you could help help keep the room under control so that our teachers can have more control over the room. We believe that this is the foundation that they're going to build their lives on. This, this is the deal breaker. We get one shot with the kids in this church. And that's why we spend a lot of time, that's why Jeff and I are up there on Thursday nights because this is priority and we're gonna make sure that kids are learning the Bible. That is priority for us as a church. They are little sponges right now. They are soaking up everything and they have such beautiful faith. And this is the time that we are planting so many seeds in their hearts and it has to be a priority for us. And we need more voices speaking into their lives. We need more people who are willing to, to serve and help in our kids' area. We need people who will help in the nursery and toddlers. So those of you that don't really love kids, some of you love babies. Maybe you could just hold a baby and just pat their backs. Maybe you could help in the nurseries. We desperately need people who will come alongside of us on Thursday nights. We sometimes have 14 elementary age boys down there. My husband comes home and he might fall asleep on the couch every Thursday night. He's a little tired after teaching those boys. We need people who are willing to come in and help. We need, um, right now we have Miss Linnea and Miss Laura who are teaching our elementary and our preschool areas, but we need people to come alongside of them. Maybe you could help prepare crafts for them. Maybe you could come we're going to actually have an implementation where we have a couple parent volunteers just up there every every week just to help them. That's a lot of kids in a little room to keep under control. So maybe it's Bible quiz. I talked last week about how Grant really wants us to start Bible quiz. We would love to have kids learning the Bible, and but we need workers. We need helpers. And we are actually starting a leadership club for the older kids that we are going to kind of have them in leadership for the fourth and fifth graders. We need people who can come alongside and help lead that club. And then the youth. We need youth leaders. Stephen and Brooke are amazing youth pastors. Sometimes they have 20, 30 young people. And so we need parents. We need other people who aren't parents to come alongside of them and say, I'll just help. We need other leaders, not just crowd control for the youth, but we need people who are willing to come alongside and say, I'm willing to spend some time investing in the life of a young person. I'm willing to listen to them. I'm willing, and I will tell you, a lot of nights, Brooke goes from kid to kid to kid. Somebody's crying and she goes and she's in the corner talking to them and then she finishes that and there's somebody else crying and I watch her go over there and I think she is so great at that but we need more people willing to do that and I know some of you have a heart for young people and you would be willing to do that so we need people who are willing to help teach our kids and all of us, if all of us jump in we will do a great job of making sure that our kids love Jesus so all of us are called to teach. Some of you have a very special gift of teaching, and we would love to see you use that at Homestead. And lastly, I want to touch on real quick. Some of you, you are called to a full-time teaching ministry. And as we've talked about each of these apostle prophet, we're going to talk to all of you because I believe some of you, God is working in your heart about something more significant than just volunteering, that God actually has a call on your life to do something different than what you've been doing, and he's calling you out to teach others. Some of you are literally called to be a preacher and to speak the word of God, and something's been brewing in you, and you're not sure what that is, and we want to help you step into that gift. We can help connect you to the right schooling and to the right opportunities for you, but don't shut that voice out if that's something that's been growing in your heart. I know some of you are called to write. Some of you, you just feel like, 
man, I feel like there is something in me. So probably 15 years ago, I felt like I wanted to write a book. I had, I had have a music degree. And I had started teaching Bible studies 16 years ago because I was a stay-at-home mom and I needed to see other humans besides my kids. And so we started having a Bible study and I started teaching. And all of a sudden I thought, I really like doing this. And then I couldn't find curriculum I liked. And then I thought, I think I'm going to start writing something. I would listen to what the women were talking about at the table and think, well, I can't find anything that addresses that. So I would go to the library and get every book on the subject, and I would just read and read and read and read. And then I would highlight, highlight, highlight. And then I'd come back and say, well, here's what I found. And the gift of teaching in me was something that came later on in my life. It wasn't something that I ever envisioned myself doing. And then it turned into writing because all of that, all of those notes, I thought, well, I could at least put this in something. And then I started writing. And it just was little steps of obedience that led me into a whole different area of ministry that I never would have envisioned myself doing 20 years ago. And some of you, God has called you to write. And you have an experience to share. You have a perspective. And it's something that you know is growing in you. We would love to help you develop that gift. Some of you are called to be a coach or a professor or some kind of teacher in a more significant vocational way. We want to help you grow in that gift. But you have to be obedient and take the next step. You really have to do it. When I first started wanting to write books, I had told a mentor of mine that I was really felt like I was going to write books. I had three kids. And I had just told her, you know, keep me accountable to this. So she kept asking, how's the book coming? How's the book coming? How's the book coming? And I go, I'm so busy right now. And I always had an excuse. And finally one day she looked at me and she said, how is the book coming? And I said, I am really trying to be obedient. And she said, well, that's interesting because obedience doesn't really work that way. You either are or you aren't. How about if your kids, you told them to do something, and you're like, I'm trying to get it done, but they don't actually move and do anything. And it was kind of the slap that I needed to say, okay, Lord, I am going to start spending an hour every night writing. And for some of you, you know in your gut that God has called you to step into something different, and you need to go home and sign up for a class, or you need to go home and open your computer and write that thing. You need to start that blog. You need to check out that school. Whatever that next step is for you, be obedient in that because God has something for you. So God has called each of us to be teachers, and we need the gift of teaching functioning here at Homestead. I want to end with God's, Jesus's last commission to us, the great commission that we see in Matthew 28. He says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus has called all of us to go and teach all of his commands and to make disciples. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I thank you so much for your gifts and your calling. The word says that they are irrebukable. Lord, that they are something that you give us, that we can grab a hold of, that we can begin to know where we fit in the body. And I thank you, Lord, that there are people in our church that you have put a call on their life to teach, to preach, to be a counselor, to be a leader. And Lord, for those today, I pray 
that you would begin to move them in the right direction, open doors for them. Lord, maybe there's obstacles in their way that they feel like, I don't have the money or I don't have the time. Whatever those obstacles are, I pray today that they would just seem to disintegrate in front of them and that you would make their path straight to walk into the calling you have for them. And Lord, we know also that you have given people a gift of teaching to function here within the body of Christ. And I pray that today you would just light a little spark in our hearts to step into the role of teaching for those especially who have a gift for it. Lord, help them find their place here. I pray, Jesus, that you would just open their eyes. Give them a specific place that they should start serving, a specific way in which they can begin teaching. Maybe the adults, maybe other couples, maybe it's marriages, maybe it's kids, maybe it's youth. But Lord, we are listening. Would you speak to us where we can serve and begin sharing our gifts with others? And lastly, Lord, we know that you have called all of us to share the things we know with other people. You've called all of us to a life of service. I thank you. It's one of the most beautiful things about how you put your body together, that no one is alone. We're all in this unit and we function together. So I pray you would give each one of us insight as to how we can teach the people in our world the things that we know and shine the light of Christ wherever we go. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. We appreciate you all. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. Happy Mother's Day. Don't forget, you can grab a gift card on your way out. Have a good day.